5: Welcome back, everyone. It's hour number two betting across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host live from Las Vegas. Your other host, James Salinas, is out live in Denver, Colorado, home of the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Uh, that's coming up. How, how is everybody getting tuned up for that, James?
6: Oh, yeah, I got a lot of other things in my other life out here in Denver with the <laughs> recreation department. We got a lot of events coming up this full week through the weekend uh, for May- leading up to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. So mm-hmm. many fun things that are happening in this city
5: this week. Oh, looking forward to that. Um, how about the schedule, though? Right now, the Dodgers at the Marlins. The Dodgers are hot. Uh, Nine one in the last ten. Uh, James, uh, although against Marlins, a uh, dollar thirty laying a dollar thirty here, uh, six and a half to total in this game.
6: Yeah, I'm digging into the pitcher props here, and I'm gonna go with Trevor Rogers to go over his out total. His out total is sitting at well, now that has really changed. It was 17 and a half to the it was juiced to the under now that is completely flipped to the over and I think and I, I get why and that's where I'm going I'm going over is basically to throw six innings against the Dodgers number one the Dodgers splits against righties versus lefties are hitting only roughly about uh, 220 against left-handed hitters or pitchers it's definitely a pitcher friendly Paul Park down mm-hmm. there in Miami but I think here Rogers is going to have to eat even if he gets tagged a little bit he's going to have to eat some innings that bullpen uh, number one they had to go into the bullpen did Miami on Friday. After one pitch, because they threw Lopez out of the game when he, when he, uh, they said that he intentionally threw at the, um, uh, yeah, but regardless, they had to pitch that full game. Now, Alcantara, now I've been playing these pitcher props, I'm not finding as many of them anymore, but I did the same with Alcantara on Saturday. He did, he, that one hit for him as well because he needed to eat the innings. And then yesterday, what a complete meltdown and a debacle from the bullpen for Miami. So (laughs) I don't think Donnie Matz is looking to uh, try to get into that bullpen. anytime soon today, they need Rodgers to eat some innings. So for here, I'm going there to go over to to throw for, get 18 outs or get into the sixth inning. Ultimately, I think here, the other piece mm-hmm. to Pritch is for the Dodgers, you mentioned it; they are hot. Now they're rolling. You just came off a sweep at Washington. You swept a small series against San Francisco too. Now you get to go down to South Beach and uh, enjoy a little fun in the sun from your celebration of two back-to-back sweeps over uh, NL contenders. So eh, we'll see how focused they are for this game today i was thinking of taking the taking miami but i don't want anything to do with that bullpen after what we've seen this past weekend i'll just stick with the rogers prop
5: in front of the all-star break too i mean a lot of things kind of converging right there uh, when it comes to major league baseball right now good angles james Uh, how about cleveland uh, at tampa bay tampa bay at home minus a dollar 85 and then uh eight and a half is the total
6: taking the team total for tampa going over four and a half runs scored i think here it's just for logan allen having to make a spot start he he got sent down to the minor leagues after the first month of the season did not pitch well he's only back right now because the indians are so beat up in their rotation with their top three starters haven't been out for a while so they needed logan allen to come back he came back he did not pitch well during his stint in april with the with the tribe he had 15 he had four starts 15 and a half Fifteen and two-thirds innings pitched of those four starts couldn't get out of the uh, out of the second inning in a couple of those starts. Sixteen earned runs. That's why they shipped him down. He was down for two months. They brought him back because the injuries to the starting to the starting rotation for the tribe. Since he came back, faced one played uh, pitched against Detroit. Only went three and two-thirds innings back to the same old Back to the same old. Logan Allen. Can't locate getting tagged another home run. He's given up eight home runs in the span of less than 20 innings pitched. So, yeah. I think here for Tampa to come back home and right themselves, they're glad to be done with that road trip. They had lost 10 and straight before winning yesterday. Uh, I'm going to take the team total for Tampa to go over four and a half in this matchup. You know,
5: James, baseball is funny this way because at a marathon, a, a week and a half ago, Houston was the best team in baseball. Uh, are they still the best team in baseball or can you make a case for somebody else right now?
6: Uh, I mean, I think they got the best lineup in baseball yeah. right now as far as their starting pitching. No, I think it's, it's a young pitching staff and Greg, mm-hmm. he's the anchor of it as far as the veteran on that staff. But I think here, the the, be, the best team in baseball, It's it's you know, we're only halfway through the right. season right now. But as far as I... I still I'm just a guy for pitching and defense and in particular pitching. And I think the best staff from top to bottom, not only the starting rotation, but the bullpen is the Milwaukee Brewers. How
5: about that? I know the Red Sox, too. Unbelievable. The Dodgers uh, looking like the Dodgers once again, uh, as we approach uh, the midway point. Uh, in Major League Baseball in the 2021 season. Uh, looking forward to the second half. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. Uh, James, in the National Football League, uh, we can bet on who we think will finish last in each division. And it got me to think, thinking here so is it easier to pick the winner of each division or would it be easier from a betting standpoint to pick the loser in each division? So I, I like this. Uh, let's go over the AFC East if, if we will here because uh, right now the Jets to lose or to become fourth in that division minus 450. Um, the Patriots not touching that. They're plus 600 as I believe Belichick is on his scorched earth uh, revenge tour uh, this year in the National Football League.
6: I, I, I think can we take a second mortgage out of the house and just put it all on the jets length, <laughs> sure now Pritch, you know I don't lay I don't lay big prices like that right for four dollars four dollars plus I'm not gonna lay it but I mean the Jets it's complete rebuild mode for for that for that franchise obviously new coaching staff new quarterback new everything you name it now they couldn't go it, nowhere else to go but up for the Jets considering last year how poorly they played but also the coaching staff and just some of the game just complete debacle and dysfunction within that organization and it just and just filter down to the coaching staff and onto the field. There's a lot of other things going uh, going on upstairs that uh, contribute to that dysfunction. But that, I mean, clearly, yeah, the scorched earth for the Patriots, for mm-hmm. sure. And we've seen some of the moves that the Patriots have made this season. Yeah, not really any move, whether it's Mac Jones and when is Mac Jones going to see the fill at the quarterback position? That's probably the one piece here to be seen. But I like what they've done to the offensive line. So uh, it's in my mind, is one of the top top offensive lines in the NFL. And they've loaded up at the tight end position. So, so I think they know with Cam Newton, uh, not the ability to throw the ball down the field like he once had. Uh, let's tighten that up. We'll, we're going to run the football a lot more. We're going to play power football here and as well as running the football with Cam Newton and then utilize these new tight ends that we got with John Smith as well as Hunter Henry coming over. Uh, it's going to be a shorter, shorter passing game, but on the defensive side, yeah, the scorched earth for Belichick. Ugly taste, a terrible taste in his mouth from 2020. They're not going to be last. It's clearly the Jets are nothing for me in that division.
5: You know, they're tinkering down in Miami. Uh, they're plus 650. You got two. Uh, uh, it doesn't seem like they're fully invested there. They got two offensive coordinators, too. Uh, James, I-, I know Coach Flores. There- there's a lot of uh, respect for him uh, down there in Miami, what he's been able to do so far. What if Zach Wilson with New York is a real deal, though? Uh, and you got a guy that a lot of people respect, too, and Sala as a head coach. And, and LaFleur, you know, we, we know his brother out there in Green Bay is doing a great job as a, as a head coach. Uh, LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, coming from San Francisco as well, as the offensive coordinator, he does window, wonders here uh, with Zach Wilson. I mean, could that happen?
6: I think from the coaching perspective, you have nowhere else to go but up this considering what a mess that was last year. No chemistry, no accountability just the, the Greg Williams, all of that just I'm sure the Jets glad to be done with that. The players glad to be moving on and have a new coaching regime. But a lot of times new coaches coming in, especially these coordinators, are they able to put away the play sheet and keep their stay out of the X's and O's piece because there's a lot more to manage as the head coach. That's going to be the biggest challenge there, especially playing in New York. Uh, But you talked about Wilson and and is Zach Wilson going to be that guy? I don't think he is. I think -hmm. it's a bad situation for Zach Wilson to have to go to New York City and play for this Jets franchise. It's not a good football team. I know they're doing some things on the offensive line. They did get Moses at right tackle and salary cap casualty, I think, for Washington with him leaving. But there's just a lot of work to be done for this Jets team, and I just can't see it. I can't see the Jets team where... Uh, so many things that have to happen off the field and in that locker room for it to start to translate to wins on the field for the Jets. I just don't see it happening this season. So it clearly, to me, it, even with Miami, I do like Florida's there a lot, and there's plenty of talent to work with on that team, like what they've done on the defensive side in the secondary in particular. Uh, but here, I just I can't see I can't see the Jets being able to to surpass their win total was sitting around six. I can't see them getting to that, let alone being able to creep up the standings within the AFC East division. I think they're clearly the last place team in that in that division
5: cemented in the basement uh talking about lovable lovable losers here um w- would it be easier to pick who's going to finish last as opposed to trying to pick who's going to finish first uh, in each division and we can bet on that so the odds to finish fourth in the AFC North the Bengals leading the way uh, minus 800 James I-, I mean the Steelers a fall from grace that far to last place I don't know plus, uh, 575.
6: Yeah, well it's not a big enough number for me to take the Steelers here yeah. and, okay. and thinking about the Steelers on the offensive side, uh th- what are they going to be? I mean, that it's completely new offensive line, a lot of leaders off that, you know, a lot of veteran leadership was lost from that offensive line. Now you have to replace that. It's a very young offensive line stepping in. We saw Big Ben, as the season progressed last year, not able to get the ball down the field with any sense of accuracy, (laughs) really had to scale back the the passing game and couldn't run the football. That was the identity we were so used to seeing. And they had a tremendous offensive line for so long, uh, keeping Big Ben upright for one, and then being able to pound the football another. Didn't see that last year. No identity up running the football last year. Just going to be a struggle offensively going into this season. So defensively still, love that front four. Love the front seven, really, for, for Pittsburgh here. And it's hard to say that they're going to drop to last uh, because that would mean the Bengals would have to creep up and when is Burrow – the Bur- big question mark is when does Burrow – for the Cincinnati Bengals, step out of the field, mm-hmm. and when he does, how healthy is he really? He's just he he'll be when the season starts. He'll just be nine months removed from major knee reconstruction, not just the ACL. He had major knee reconstruction done on that leg, so I think it's going to take some time for Burrow. Burrow is definitely a, a, a he is going to give you a number of wins just from his his competitiveness and playmaking ability. But until he gets back on the field, to me, it's Cincinnati's. So many holes on that team. They are clearly still the last place team in my. Mind mind for the AFC North.
5: To think the Steelers were undefeated uh, through 12 games, I believe, last year, too. was incredible. Uh, Odds finished fourth in the AFC South. The Texans lead the way, but they're only minus 350. Uh, It speaks to how bad this division is going to be, I think, James. Uh, Jaguars plus 240 there as well.
6: It's the worst division in football in my mind, especially when you're thinking about the defensive side. Uh, uh, Jaguars, obviously, complete rebuild for them, and then the Texans, Yeah, not only a rebuild, uh, basically just throwing it with it just just a debacle there of what happened <laughs> yeah, over the last is bad years right they now. had a lot of a lot of talent on that team <laughs> that was a contending team uh at least getting to the playoffs and competing to get to a playoff spot each and every year plenty of talent on both sides of the football and now just so devoid of talent don't know what's going to happen in the situation with watson at the quarterback position just yeah, Texans are just a complete mess. And for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got nowhere else to go but up that they're starting there. Now, what is that going to look like at the coaching you know, I don't know if I'm ready to say Urban Meyer ready to make that transition from the college ranks to the pros, and I really don't know how long he's going to stay there and mm-hmm. coaching in the NFL. I don't think he sees the duration of his contract, but at least you've, you've got somewhere to go when you've got a, a talent like Tre- Trevor Lawrence running the show offensively, and yeah, they still got a lot of holes on that team, but you're solidified at least at the quarterback position going forward where can't stay the same for the Texans. Not only at the quarterback position, but most any other position on that roster
5: yeah you know what James when when you have dysfunction at the top it filters into the locker room believe me uh, just from a player's standpoint uh, even though it's completely separated uh, what we talk about in the locker room we certainly they don't talk about upstairs uh, but you feel the dysfunction as it just oozes down into that locker room from upstairs and and there's a number of teams in the National Football League that we're looking at right now that's under that situation the Texans being one of them uh, odds to finish fourth in the AFC West, no surprise, the Raiders minus 250, the Chargers uh, plus 350. A lot of people love uh, Justin Herbert going into year two.
6: Yeah, and uh, how could you not? Just thinking of what happened last year—really no offseason, no preseason games last year. Justin Herbert not being able to—to to, he talk about throwing it in the fire. What was that week two? I think the whole debacle with Tyrod Taylor and the 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 training staff and what happened there, and he had to be thrust into the starting lineup in that game. And then all season long, you just you saw the talent on the field, uh, his ability to throw the football, stand tall in the pocket. Now I think he 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 will play some hero ball because he. He has the skill set to do that and force some things, but there's a lot of talent around him too. I think he's going to miss Hunter Henry uh, because they definitely had a good connection as the season progressed last year, but plenty of talent on both sides of the football for the Chargers. I think the only way that they come in last in that division is if Justin Herbert gets hurt and he's out for a significant period of time. I want to ask you this about the Raiders. Now Mm -hmm. sitting there at 250 minus 250 to come in last in the AFC West. What's going on with them? What's happened with them in the offseason? Have they done anything, especially the defensive side? Like, we saw no consistent pass rush, but even more, more so the, the the flip side of that was no coverage on the back end, whether it's at the corner or the safe. Just the secondary, a complete mess out there. Yeah. What have they done? To, have they done anything on that defensive side to help out help out that secondary?
5: Yannick Ngakwe, they signed him in offseason as a free agent. He's supposed to be the pass rusher, the edge presence. Uh, they're going to have a rotation uh, on that defense defensive line, too, because they brought in a number of bodies uh, to compete, James. Uh, there's a lot of guys on that roster right now that are competing for jobs, competing for their future. Uh, Cleve Farrell was a fourth overall pick. He's in a competitive situation. Max Crosby, uh, who was an edge rusher uh, that uh, I guess overplayed or outplayed his contract, if you will, his rookie year. Uh, because he had double-digit sacks, but he fell back last year. So uh, he's a mid-round pick that they're looking for big things from. And then on the back end, uh, competition, too. They brought in Casey Hayward on a one-year contract to beat out Damon Arnett, who was the guy that they drafted in the first round uh, last year. Uh, so, yeah, it is a mess. We'll see what happens there, though. But I, I find it intriguing, too, that there's no respect uh, for John Gruden. Uh, there's only nine head coaches, current head coaches, that have won a Super Bowl. And you got two of them in this division, Andy Reid and, and Coach Gruden. But yet the Raiders are the favorite to finish last in this division, minus 250, as opposed to a rookie head coach out there in L.A. with the Chargers.
6: That's probably the biggest concern for me is the rookie head coach going in for for the L.A. Chargers, although, you know, the game management, uh, I don't know. Could they do anything? Could they do any worse last year than what we've seen? Not only last year, but the handful of years, as much as I like Anthony Lynn and how tough he was as a player game management, clock management. Just uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the hard part right? you're leaving the coordinator or the position coach, the coordinator position. Now stepping into the head coaching role, you're responsible for so many other things, including the game management piece that you didn't have to do before so yeah what is that going to look like for los angeles brandon staley now coming over to be that head coach i, I typically tend to either stay away from those types of teams that had a full roster full turnover when it comes to the, the coaching staff and or bet against them and in this case here probably will just be laying off some of these charger games early uh just needing this i think that coach staff is going to like any coaching staff, just needs time to get acclimated, not only to the head coaching role and what that looks like being El Jefe now with the with the franchise, but also <laughs> getting to know your players. you got to get to know your players, and it takes time, and you, there's only so much you're going to see through practice as well as training camp through preseason games. Really, so much of it is on-the-job training and assessment once the real games begin.
5: Can it fall apart for Vic Fangio out there in Denver? I know defensively he's a guru, but as a head coach, uh, there's some people already that want to see him leave. They're plus- four 450
6: <laughs> That's the problem too. Talk about game management, not mm-hmm. knowing how many timeouts you have. Yeah, uh, in the same sense with Anthony Lynn, another guy who's great, brilliant defensive coordinator, and still is constantly at his head in his playbook, looking at what are we going to do in our next series defensively while the game is still going on, and they're looking to you, coach, to do. Are you going to call timeout before the two-minute warning? Just a lot of yeah, a lot of issues going forward there for Fangio when it comes to again the game management piece. But I think as far as the the product on the field. The, what they've done with the roster, in particular the secondary for that Broncos defense—it's uh, basically it's it's the second, a lot of the secondary that he had there in Chicago. Right. So, yeah, I think defensively this team is going to be really good. Will be the Broncos. I can't see them coming in last uh, outside of if if it's by default to have to go to Drew Lock at the quarterback position. That's the big question mark. Who's going to be the quarterback uh, come week one and throughout the duration of the seer- season for the Denver Broncos? But defensively, Pritch, this is going to be a terrific defense on that back end. They're going to, they're not going to give up big plays in the passing game and you know how it is playing here at Mile High Stadium. Back to full capacity, 75,000 fans there at Mile High. There's certain places where you have a home field advantage. Definitely is one here in Denver, not only with the fan base, but also with the altitude with visiting teams coming in. I can't ignore that factor coming in from what it looked like last year with nobody in the stands 2020 to what we're going to see 2021. I just I can't get past it. To me, the Raiders are are the last team in that division
5: yeah about that the Raiders when with all the hoopla and and the Legion Stadium being out here in Vegas a lot of people are excited about the Raiders but they cannot get out of their own way right now as they are the favorites to finish last in the AFC West a competitive division uh, minus 250 for the Broncos though James I'm curious They are a quarterback away. I know they feel that way with that roster. Um, But Vic Fangio bringing in all his guys, too. uh, Those are indicators sometimes of a coach that might be feeling it from people in the front office when you start to surround yourself with people that you're most comfortable with.
6: Uh, yeah and I and I think for sure because thinking about the there was a lot of expectations for Fangio coming here right. on the defensive side he needed to get his guys that fit his system we talked about Von Miller before von Miller doesn't really fit the system of defense that Vic Fangio how many times did we see when not last year with Miller because obviously he was he was out for the season but the year prior where Vaughn Miller's out in coverage that's mm-hmm. not his game is to get out and and guard you know matching up with tight ends or, or flaring out with running back like, his job is to put a hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback, right? Or And that's it. Just edge rush and get after the passer. So, yeah, he brings in his guys that he thinks are going to fit his system and be competitive on that defensive side. And I think offensively, this is where it's all about the quarterback position. A lot of young talent to throw the football to. A lot of improvement, too, on that offensive line. Credit to Munchak as well. Bowles looks like a completely different left tackle now or last year compared to his first couple years <laughs> in the season. It, it, in the league because he just he just grabbed and hold you know it was constantly a, a penalty flag waiting to happen massive improvement for that offensive line particular
5: garrett bowls yeah year. my experience with vic fangio he was a linebackers coach with the saints uh, the dome patrol when they had all four of those linebackers go to the uh the pro bowl james that was my introduction to the national football league swilling jackson mills and vaughn uh, with vic fangio dom capers was the defensive backs coach yeah,
6: fun, you had fun running those, <laughs> running those middle routes, didn't you? That no, I did not
5: have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I got knocked out a few times, James Slienes, if we yeah. want to be truthful here. Uh, we're going to continue this discussion uh, with who's going to finish last. It might be easier to, uh, to win than catch a ticket this way. Who's going to finish last on each division? The FC? that's coming up next right here on VSEN, uh, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back, everyone. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, hosting in Las Vegas. You're hosting in Denver, James Salinas. James, continue the discussion, uh, which it might be easier. Uh, odds to finish fourth. Uh, trying to pick the winner there to win f- to finish fourth. Uh, winning ticket to finish fourth. Last place in the division. It's confusing, right? But it could be easier. <laughs> Let's continue with the NFC East, who was horrendous last year. Uh, The Eagles plus 130, the Giants plus 155, the Washington football team plus 375. I'll throw in the Cowboys as well, 10 to 1.
6: Who's the last winner? That's <laughs> I think that's what we're getting to. Last this place winner. Like the... Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. So and I think here for we're talking about the NFC East. To me, it's clear and the number says it here. Now you're getting a plus price. It's the first plus price we've seen going through these on the Eagles, but to me it's the Eagles talk about another team having to to change. You know, they're obviously the conflict uh, going on between ownership and coaching staff with Peterson, et cetera, and, and Lurie and how all that craziness played out at the end of the year last year for the Eagles, mm-hmm. but lost in all that. And it is the second, it's just, I, the secondary just couldn't stop anybody. I mean, it just looked like big play after big play, after big play that they were giving up and, you know, hopefully their offensive line gets healthier. It's getting older, but. I think Hurts. Yeah, he's gonna have to. We get to see what we see out of Jalen Hurts this year. He's gonna have plenty of opportunities to throw, Chris, because I don't see Philadelphia being able to stop anyone. I mean, I I like Cox and Graham on the on the defensive line, but those guys now are getting into their 30s and not the same defense anymore. I just wonder how much is, not only how much is left from them physically. I think they they can they can still make plays, but when they're constantly having. To, <laughs> Uh, when they're when they're being asked to you know play more downs, and they just can't rotate as much anymore. And these right. are guys that are just getting older because the secondary just can't stop people. I don't know. This is not a team that I think is transition-wise with the new coaching staff coming in. A lot of question marks about that. I don't like Philadelphia this season at all. Make them coming in. They'll be the last winner in the, in the, <laughs> the NFC. <East.
5: laughs> don't forget about Coach Judge and and that uh, experiment going on yeah. in New York with the Giants too. Although. I would say they they can they can make uh, or create some damage in in that division with the talent that they have. They should not finish last talking about the New York Giants.
6: It- as long as Daniel Jones can keep the keep from throwing the football to the wrong team, that's probably the biggest question mark for me there. I don't like the offensive line for the New York Giants right. at all. That's going to be a big piece for them. Plenty of talent around that offensive line to throw the football to with Daniel Jones and then Barkley, can he come back and and be healthy from his ACL last year? Plenty of offensive talent, but aside from the offensive line, that's that's the concern for me with Jones is under fire, under pressure. Will he Make the right decisions with the football, but defensively, I like the defensive line for the Giants. I like what we saw last year. You talked about Joe Judge and a lot of change that needed to happen there, and some tough, you know, tough mindedness that came with it. But I like Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator, and some of the things that we saw in particular at the defensive line. And they did need to; they definitely upgraded that secondary. That was where the killer was, is on the back end for them. So some upgrades for the Giants at the in the secondary as well. I like; I think they're going to be competitive this year. Will the Giants being I think they'll be more competitive than the Eagles I, I to me the Eagles are still going to be the last place team in the
5: NFC East. I agree with you on that one uh NFC North uh James the Lions minus, uh 650 the Bears plus 675 so the Bears plus 675 this is a franchise that traded up twice recently for quarterbacks I mean they are they are horrible But yet they're getting some respect here because the Lions are in that division. But, I mean, this could fall apart this year, in my opinion, for the Bears for sure.
6: It could, and this is not the same defense. We were talking about Fangio on the, the before the last break, and Vic Fangio. That was what kept that team competitive in making the run into the playoffs that they did a few years back. It was on the defensive side, and Fangio being able to to design tremendous game plans and had a lot of good talent on that defense too. This is not the same defense. It's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't have nearly the same amount of talent. Yeah, you still have Mac out there, but that's really uh, and Hicks on the interior. I like him a lot, but yeah, there's not a whole lot to go off of off that de- on that defensive side. Not the way that it was in just a few years ago. Uh, maybe looking down this list, though, you have the Packers. I know. How about 35 that? 35 to one. How about if that? there is no Aaron Rodgers, I, I still I can't get past that. I can't. I think I just can't think that the Packers would trade him. Yeah. But if, he, let if let's say he sits out. And he doesn't play. What happens to that Packers team? They might be coming in last at 35-1. to That might be worth a little bit of a shot on just for the whole whole drama that is attached to Aaron Rodgers and that Packers front
5: office. That is worth a shot for sure. He is dug in, uh, James. Aaron Rodgers is dug in. I don't know if uh, Green Bay has a miracle in that front office to convince him to play Uh, and certainly get to uh, training camp in time to help them win games this year.
6: I agree at 35 to 1. If no Aaron Rodgers, even though the Lions are awful, Packers could be even worse.
5: Whew, that division, NFC North. Uh, the black and blue to what do you want to call it now? We'll, we'll come up with a name during the break. Coming up next, we're going to continue the discussion. Who's going to finish last? Uh, two more divisions. is coming up next. This summer, it's time to update your sports betting wardrobe with some new VSIN gear. We've got hats, shirts, and mugs all with the VSIN logo, or fun sports betting sayings like cashing tickets is what it's all about, and it's not under till it's over. Visit the VSIN store today at slash store and find a perfect item for yourself or as a gift. That's slash store. Welcome back to the show. It's betting across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today, wrapping it up uh, in the National Football League, James. Odds to finished fourth in the NFC South. Here we go. The Panthers minus 105. The Falcons plus 115. The Saints plus 675. Not touching the Bucks at 50 to 1.
6: This one's this one's really difficult. I mean, yeah, I'm not touching the Bucks either for sure. We know that they're they're to me they're the best team and they're the best team of football, let alone the division here. So looking at this, I mean Yeah, the Saints, what are they going to do at the quarterback position? And is it going to be Jameis the the, getting the bulk of the the snaps and being your starter come week one? I suspect it would be. But there's still plenty of other talent on that roster for the New Orleans Saints, offensive line, defensive line, plenty of playmakers to sling the ball around to as well. So we're going to see some regression because you just don't have the Drew Brees and and the leadership that he brought to that team and his decision-making at the quarterback position. That's probably the biggest... Biggest change between Drew Brees and Jameis Winston there of where to go with the football. But looking further down here, is is it Carolina or is it Atlanta? I guess with the Falcons, you know what you have at the quarterback position with Matt Ryan. Take it for what it's worth, but you know what you're going to get out of Matt Ryan. And then what are we going to see out of Sam Darnold going to Carolina? Carolina offensively don't like the offensive line a few playmakers there we'll see McCaffrey get back hopefully he can stay healthy this coming year because he was really beat up last year but I don't know, is this something where Joe Brady can resurrect and get, I mean, Sam Darnold needed a fresh start, so mm-hmm. good for him to get out of New York and all that nonsense, put all that behind him, and maybe this is the fresh start that he needs, and he's going to be there with Joe Brady, and, and they they hit it off, and he becomes a, uh, the quarterback that, they, that the Jets thought he was going to be when they drafted him as their first-round pick, but... I don't know. This one's tough for me. I I don't know which way to go. I think, if anything, I'd be maybe leaning towards Carolina being last in that division, probably ultimately because the defense, a few good pieces, but is the youngest defense in the NFL, Pritch, in over 17 games. I think that's going to show out.
5: Yeah, you would think uh, Matt Rule too, who's uh, probably a defensive-minded coach. Uh, Christian McCaffrey coming back, maybe an upgrade at quarterback over what they had last year, but you did have the veteran presence of uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, as they went 5-11, Atlanta was last place in that division with Julio. Banged up, though. Um, but they've added some pieces. See, I think they're stuck with Matt Ryan. That's why they couldn't get rid of, rid of him uh, because of that contract. And I mean, if they could get rid of him, they, you would probably be looking at a new quarterback out there in Atlanta.
6: I think so. I think you, you stuck with him. You got him. Yeah. Well, veteran quarterback, though, with plenty of other talent. Yeah. yeah, no Julio there, but plenty of other players that can make plays in the passing game. Really excited to see what Pitts is going to do. <laughs> at, I, I guess we'll call him a tight end, but I think he's a tremendous player. So they're going to be fun to watch, at least offensively. They're going to need to because they're kind of in the same boat and really devoid of talent on the defensive side and not much of a pass rush there for the Falcons. But yeah, I think they're going to be able to put enough points up on the board. I just think there's more question marks for me about the Carolina Panthers team than they're for Atlanta at this point right now and I think Atlanta if you're looking at the schedule too, last place schedule uh, going to be more favorable for them than what Carolina is and Carolina is not going to sneak up on anybody this year like they did a few times last year.
5: How about the NFC West who's going to finish last before we get to the odds I'm going to throw this out to you James Kyle Shanahan his first year finished fourth his second year finished third Uh, of course the outlier season they went to the Super Bowl then last year they were fourth again uh, so nothing but losing seasons except for that outlier as uh, Kyle Shanahan goes into uh, year five there with the 49ers. Here's the odds. The Cardinals are minus 120 to finish last in that division. The Seahawks plus 300 to finish last in that division. The 49ers plus 500 to finish last in that division.
6: I might go with the Seahawks here plus the price at plus $3. I think for the, for the Cardinals, I think that's where it is. It's, is it between the Seahawks or the Cardinals? Where do you think the Seahawks are gonna land? I think we've just we've seen this same picture for, for the Seahawks in Seattle offensively. We know what they are. It's Russell Wilson scrambling around for his life with the porous offensive line, and then the defense just can't stop anybody. No consistent pass rush coming out of the, that front four for Seattle, as well as then on the backside. I like the safeties there, but they're more they're very aggressive physical safeties for the the Seahawks with Adams and Diggs back. They're a great tandem from a physical standpoint, uh, but are susceptible to big plays in the passing game. And I, I think maybe if you're going to look at something here with, with Arizona, I mean, a lot of interesting offseason moves for the Cardinals. Now, how does that play out? I think they've upgraded the offensive line too, but now you got A.J. Green. What does he have left to go on the other side out there with Hopkins? Now, Hopkins really hit it off with Murray. Sometimes it takes a while. You see, when does the chemistry start to click? That clicked week one. I mean, that was right off the bat, Hopkins and Murray hitting that off. So I think there's some interesting moves on the other side defensively. They mm-hmm. needed to, to to make some moves in the secondary. They did that. And not that Watt coming over and now he's going to be a three down player. He's not. But there's going to be a, a veteran presence in that locker room on that defensive side. And you know his motor is always going to be on. And and then getting Chandler Jones back this year healthy missed most of last year. And he's a playmaker for him as well. I don't know. Kind of interesting moves here for the Cardinals. And I think I've just seen enough of Pete Carroll and the Seahawks team uh, uh, they've they've topped out what they're going to do. It's not the Legion of Boom anymore. Those days are done. So I think here, make mine Seattle to come in last plus three dollars.
5: Yeah, you know I was the reason why I was looking at the 49ers only because uh, not only the losing seasons that they have had, but. They've had the injury bug, and I can't get rid of it, James. Last year during the season, a, a lot of players got injured, and then this year in off offseason, um, they've lost some players already in, in mandatory minicamps and OTAs, and so they had to shut down off season programs there. So the injury bug, in my opinion, continues for the 49ers that's
6: unfortunate because I think with Shanahan and the offensive line if they if if and always a big if with any team in the NFL to stay healthy no one would have had to suffer through more injuries than the 49ers did last year to that roster up and down both sides of the right. football for that roster but I I mean offensively they if you don't have to have Garoppolo having to make all the plays here running the football I like their offensive line you know the way that they stretch out and run the zone offense and then be able to to hit Kittle and, and just so many playmakers on that team offensively, a lot of speed on the defensive side if they can stay healthy too. Just I love the roster on the San Francisco 49er team. And even if you are losing some players now early offseason, it's still too much talent for me on that side. Make mine Seattle coming in last in the AFC West or NFC West, excuse me, plus three.
5: Russell seems to be happy. He wants to stay. We'll see what happens there. Plus 300 uh, and to finish last in that division. Very competitive division, though. Uh, I agree with you on that one, James. Come up next, our NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel, is going to help us out with the NBA Finals. It's next right here on VSEN, Sports Ready Network. Sign up today and win $100 when you place a $1 wager on the Notorious One to get his revenge in the main event on July 10th. Simply use bonus code VSIN100 when you place your bet to take advantage of this knockout offer. It's a new custom offer, paid in free bets. So you got to visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Washington, D.C., Virginia or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan Dissociated Persons, please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, one 800 4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia and Washington, D.C. one 800 270 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call Texas text a red line, 800-889-9789. In Indiana, it's 1-800-9WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show. It's betting across America, and we are presented by Betmgm. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today, and happy to have him in studio with us right now. Uh, he's our senior NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel,
7: JVT. What's going on? Nothing, man. Every time we come in here, something changes. We got like cameras and lights, and ah, this is impressive. Twenty first century, huh? The budget's going up. I huh? <laughs> see that,
5: right? Yeah, good stuff Circle here. Triple down, economics. That's stuff. right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, Milwaukee uh, Phoenix. I, some people might not like this matchup. I do. James, I do. Too. Yeah, James, now we were talking about it. There's so much talent in NBA, too. That's why I don't think you can discount it. Maybe making it difficult for the books, too. So, looking at game one, for instance, JVT you got the Suns laying six uh, right now in this game without Giannis, the information, the updates, looking for that. 217 and a half. Are you anticipating? Um, an overreaction, depending on the news with Giannis?
7: Uh, I mean, it, it just yes and, and no, right? Like So it, this seems to be somewhat of an overreaction in and of itself, potentially, right? The Suns okay. minus six with the question of Giannis Kumpo not on the floor. Uh, remember, you know, this was a pretty tight two-game set between these two teams mm-hmm. in the regular season, right? A, a one-point win and an overtime victory for Phoenix, who won both of them. So six seems like a lot, and I, I've kind of wrestled with the fact that the market seems to have upgraded Phoenix throughout this entire run, and this is not not to denigrate the run, but remember how they got here, right. right? Would you upgrade a team who went through a Lakers team without Anthony Davis that a banged-up LeBron and the banged-up KCP? A Denver team that, remember, Michael? we talk about Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. suffered a back injury in Game 1 of that series as well. No Kawhi in the, in the Clippers series, too. So this is not to take away from the Suns, but I just don't know if I upgrade them throughout this run, throughout the postseason. Six seems like a lot, and we always do this, right? The market tends to react to, to news, even though we know it. What happens when Giannis, if and when he is ruled out for Game 1? Right. Are we talking like seven and a half? We're talking about. Right. That's a really high number for Phoenix, given the talent that is still on this Milwaukee team. So this tends to be a little it seems to be somewhat reactionary just seeing this number on its surface from a side perspective for sure.
6: JVT, I agree. And I'm actually looking to play the Bucks, especially if Giannis does not play mm-hmm. and see if that number does tick up, like you said, does it go beyond where it's sitting at now at six and get a better number? So I'll wait. But thinking about the matchup between these two teams and, and how they're constructed and for the Bucs, yeah, obviously with Giannis out there they weren't they didn't have a very deep bench to begin with, and now it even gets shorter with Portis having to step into that starting role. But thinking about the physicality of the Bucks, especially across the front line, it can be with Portis being in there. It's a big front line. It's a physical front line, as well as the guards play very physical too. And even P.J. Tucker, we know what he's in there to do. He's in there to get physical with you. And thinking about the Suns and how they're constructed offensively, it's not a big team aside from DeAndre Ayton, and it's not a very physical team. So I'm wondering, I've been thinking about how do you see this matching up across the paint? You know, the, the drop coverage, et cetera, for the Bucs that they'd like to play deep Defensively, but I think from a physical standpoint, this is going to be a challenge for the Suns because they're going to have to shoot a high percentage. Because I don't think they're going to get a lot of second shots against that front line for the Bucks.
7: Yeah, and look, so, and this kind of builds to the original topic we were, we opened up with James, which is I think this is a fun series because I think both of these teams are constructed and do stuff well that will bother the other, and it's going to lead to a fun series. And I think a higher scoring series we get to a total from a total perspective. Uh, but to your point, James, right? We'll start with Phoenix because if you look at it from a postseason perspective. Suns have the second best rim defense in the NBA. According to Cleaning the Glass, non-garbage time minutes, 60.7% allowed within four feet of the basket. For rim shooting, for those out there who don't know, that's very bad. For if you're that if you're the offense. If you're the defense, that's an incredible rate to allow within four feet of the basket. But remember this is a Phoenix team that finished 24th in the regular season, an opponent shooting within four feet of the basket at 65.5%. This is also a Phoenix team that in this postseason actually has the second worst rate of opponent frequency attempts within four feet. So simply put, they're allowing you to get to the basket. Opponents just haven't been shooting that well within four feet of the basket. And this is a Bucks team that especially if Giannis is on the court, they will be able to exploit that. If you look at the two matchups that these two teams played in the regular season, 106 points in the paints between two games for the Milwaukee Bucks, a shooting percentage Percentage on 63 attempts within four feet of 74.6%. So this is a matchup that I think, from a front court perspective, especially if the Bucks are fully healthy, they can have some success here. Now, if Giannis is not on the court, this is where it gets interesting because you mentioned the limitation of this roster, James. There's not many guys who attack off the bounce consistently for Milwaukee if Giannis is not there. Drew Holiday is one; takes over 35% of his attempts within four feet of the basket. The next highest guy is actually Jeff Teague. So, they, like, that's not really great in terms of like consistently attacking the basket. You have Brooke Lopez, but that's not off-the-bounce attacking, right? That's like get it in the low post and finish type stuff. So that's where it's going to become interesting because you saw in the final two games of the Eastern Conference Finals, there was a commitment to attacking the paint for the Milwaukee Bucks. And while the rate was similar, right, one of the worst rates you'll see in terms of frequency attempts, the accuracy was there. So if they commit themselves to attacking within the painted area, the numbers tell you in the regular season that they should have some success here against this front court of Phoenix. Because think about it, DeAndre Ayton and – who else? Like right? Yeah. Who's your other rim protector? It's after that. There's really nothing much, and so there is there's a path to have success in the restricted area here for the excuse me for the Milwaukee Bucks for sure. I mean, there's so many factors
5: to like this series too. Mm-hmm. Um, the officiating. Uh, you and James were talking about the bench uh, play, so I think the Bucks are stronger with their bench defensively, like you just pointed out. Uh, but then offensively, maybe the Suns could create an edge there uh, because like if these guys get in foul trouble for the Bucks, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, limited in terms of what they can do from scoring
7: off the bench. Yeah. If you look at I me, mean, look. So if you go back to just the, the games that they played, and yeah. these, this is the example we have, right? Because we saw the Eastern Conference Finals. We see what the rotations are like. And this is what you're going to be working with when you move forward. Like I mentioned, coming off the bench, you were talking about Pat Connaughton. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jeff Teague, uh, right? Bobby Porter's moved his way into the starting lineup. So right. he's no longer a bench option because remember, that's always the other effect, right, is when some but he goes down, that's one less person that's coming off your bench. Uh, Giannis might be very talented, but the DNA, I think, is somewhat limited in terms of the talent, going to his brother, right? His brother's not exactly the most talented guy, right? So, like, th- this rotation becomes super tight for the Milwaukee Bucks, so, and, and I agree with you, and I think when you're talking about these two teams, if you're talking about Phoenix offensively, right. James brought it up, the drop coverage. F- Chris Paul, out of all the teams he played this regular season, his highest point per game against a single team was against the Milwaukee Bucks. It was 25 points per game, it was 10 assists per game, he was Extremely wicked against Milwaukee because he was able to exploit that, and that spreads to everybody else. So, kind of going to the point where these two teams have mismatches that they can totally exploit throughout this entire series. Hmm.
6: So JBT, we're looking at, let's talk about the total then. Yep. Now it's starting to tick up. I saw it at 217. Right now, currently, I see some 218 and a half. So money coming in, or at least the numbers moving that total to the over. Can we make a case to go under? I'm I, I'm with you. I think with both of these teams spreading the floor, especially with Giannis out, hurt some defensively too for the Bucs. But it does feel like for the Bucks, they saw better ball movement, sharing the basketball, and more aggressiveness offensively, not really just waiting and deferring to Giannis to have to put his head down and drive here. I can't get past this total. I don't know if I wanted to have anything to do with the under and any of these games going forward.
7: Yeah, some of that money's mine. I bet this over 217, James, uh, and that's at least the one bet that I have. I have two bets, uh, but one of them is a total. So if you go back, let's just look at the regular season, right? In terms of the actual scores themselves, two games finished with 249 points and 232 points in regulation. One of them went to overtime. The closing totals for those games were 226.5 and 232. And yet here we are right now, 9.5 point difference at a 14 and a half point difference from those two games on, mm-hmm. on the total right here in terms of the closing number. Why is that right? No Giannis on the floor. So maybe you're like, okay, well, that's a 30 point per game score. You and I were talking off the air. While I brought this up. I've been on the over for the last two games of right. the Eastern Conference Finals because The Milwaukee Bucks are so much worse defensively without Giannis on the court. You're talking about a defensive rating from 109 with Giannis on the court to 116.7 with him off to 118.8 when Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are on the floor without Giannis Antetokounmpo. And what was the defensive rating for the last two games of the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, 118, right? So, like, it it plays out to what you're seeing here over these couple of games. They're a worse team defensively, but going back to the matchups we talked about, you can still have a really high-level offense with this team without Giannis on the court. Why? If you look back on those numbers I just referenced, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton together, offensive rating of 119. So, there's a lot of stuff that works here for the Milwaukee Bucks from an offensive standpoint. There's a lot that you can do here if you're Phoenix to exploit that. And we talk about the mid-range game. Let's not forget, one of these teams finished 29th in opponent three-point shooting from beyond the arc because of the defense that they play. And that the Milwaukee Bucks, right. Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, spot-up shooters. This has the potential to be a really up-and-down affair in terms of the scoring between these two. And then you get the reference of what we saw in the regular season. So I bet this over
5: 217. Okay, 217.5 currently right now uh, uh, as we speak. Also as we speak, JVT, uh, when we begin in the, the segment here, James, the, the spread was six. It's now minus 5.5. I don't know if yeah. you influenced that or not uh,
7: with this overvalued comment that you had as we started the segment. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and just, uh, I know a lot of the times, right, we talk about regular seasons and there, there's something to take away and something to not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Drew Holiday only played in one of those games. And that's actually funny. Torrey Craig actually started for Milwaukee in one of those games, right? And Torrey <laughs> Craig is now Phoenix Sun. So, like, there, there's a lot of different factors in these regular season games. But at the end of the day, we have a 72-game sample size in the regular season of how these teams play from a game plan perspective perspective, what their strengths are, what is going to happen. And I think if you take all of that into consideration, six, six and a half seems like a lot, even with the absence of Giannis Antetokounmpo on the yeah. floor.
6: I agree, JVT. So try. I haven't gotten involved in the series. I probably won't just because Giannis and not hit yeah. the big question marks with him. Have you gotten involved in the series at all? Can you make a case for the Bucks, or is are you leaning towards the Suns to win this? And
7: take yeah. It? So I haven't bet it, James. In the, in the write up on the on the website, I picked the Suns in six, and that's mainly because of, of the unknown factor of Giannis. It's it's pretty simplistic. If Giannis is going to be there from game one, fully healthy, Bucks got a really good shot to win this thing. But if he's not, the Suns are going to win it.
5: We book in the show there. James Salinas said the exact same thing in terms of uh, wait and see about Giannis uh, in terms of getting involved in that series. Uh, so we book in the series with those great opinions right there. Uh, thanks for your time, T. We'll see of you my man. guys. Yep, uh, James, that was awesome. We'll see you later in the week.
6: Always a lot of fun. Good luck with your bets this week, Pritch. I'll see you Thursday.
5: All right. Sounds good. My guys in the desert coming up next.